for you And the power you possess In your satin tights Fighting for your rights And the old red, white and blue Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes and I'm here with Tim Elliott, my good friend. Hey Tim, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good, Brian. How are, uh, how are things going on your end of uh, your side of the Metroplex? I'm going to say wondrous, wonderful, wonderino, whatever that is. Wonderful. Gee, wonderful, yeah. yeah. Why, why is it so full of wonder, you think? I don't know. I wonder why is it so full of wonder. Maybe it has something to do with our topic tonight. It could very well. It could be uh, our topic is a little topical too, because we are going to be covering the. Oh, she's got uh, lots of names. Uh, we'll call her Wonder Woman, but she's also what the. Uh, she's part of the Trinity of the DC Trinity. She's the. Is she the Prince of Power? Princess of Power? Is that somebody else? I'll go with that. Okay, I think that was Shira. That was Shira. Okay. Okay. She's not, different. She's not Shira. There although. are a lot of different ones for her. But the maid of might is the one that always, you know, that that I always thought of. Because that, that might actually apply to Supergirl too. You know, it's it's interesting. I'll tell you, I never really went out of my way for Wonder Woman. She was always in Justice League. You know, whenever I was reading as a kid, you know, she was there, and she was, of course, was a side character amongst the the Teen Titans with with Wonder Girl being there. You know, there was always the shadow of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But I never read Wonder Woman. She's in DC Comics Presents or Brave and the Bold, which I read. But I didn't buy the Wonder Woman comics. Now, I have in my collection a, a, a number of Wonder Woman comics. Some of them I don't have no idea how I got them. Probably from people who say, you like comics? Here, take these because that happens to all of us for oh, some yeah. reason. But, you know, I didn't I didn't go out of my way to read Wonder Woman comic books. Well, and, you know, it's like when I'm playing uh, video games, let's say like Tekken or – Street uh, Street Fighter or something. I don't play the female characters. I don't, I don't feel right playing the female characters, and I hate playing against the female characters because I hate the idea of hitting them. Hmm. But <laughs> I was just fixing to call, call you a misogynist, sexist, but I guess call not. Misogynistic. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I mean, call it whatever you want. I don't know, but you know, it's just something that uh, you know that that didn't occur to me. You know, in one way or the other. Um, so you know that that be that as it may. Um, with the one being being out, and uh, neither of us have seen it up to this point in the theater. Um, and we we did feel that it was time to sit there and take a look at John Burns Wonder Woman, and uh, really Tim was the one that, that spurned this idea up. Yeah, uh, because we don't I want to call it a school episode, do we? No, it's not really in a. And I don't know if the Back to Benz guys have done a bl- obligatory uh, coattail writing episode, but this is. Kind of in that vein, but it's not. It's just we were looking for a new show, and I thought, well, Wonder Woman's out, and he's done a run on Wonder Woman, and I've have yet to. I've never read his run on Wonder Woman. Uh, I'll admit, I don't even own a single copy of Wonder Woman. I don't. It's just a character that I, I, I never. Yeah, I believe I actually own every Burn issue physically. Are you talking I about own, digital copies? You yeah, actually, I, phys- no, I physically, physically own. Uh, the, pretty much the entire burn run, as well as the uh, Perez run. 
And I, I always, you know, with with those, I always thought, you know, I'm going to get to them at some point, even though Wonder Woman's not a character that I always went for. I said, you know, I was always going to get around to reading them. I was particularly, you know, interested in reading the Burn one because I know how he loves to reach around the DC universe, mm-hmm. the entire sandbox, whatever character he's using, and and get to all the various points. But um, I didn't get around to it, and I, I'll have to explain that after we finish the the, the our discussion on the issue or okay. at least the synopsis. Yeah, my um, um, my my kind of uh, my uh, experience with Wonder Woman is from Linda Carter's TV show. Super Friends, mm-hmm. uh, same here, same the Je- here. Justice League cartoon, you know the Warner Brothers that came back came out later by, um, you know, after that came in the wake of uh, Bruce Batman, Tim. Bruce Tim, yeah, uh, yeah, and then in the books I had been reading, if, if she showed up in a Justice League or she showed up in a Superman or Batman book, just you know that was my experience with her there, and I was at this at the time that this book came out, which is like mid nineties, I. DC had kind of dropped off my radar because I was reading Burns' Next Men, which he was doing, and I was reading Marvel, and I was heavy into Valiant and Image. I really wasn't reading anything. Uh, most of that 90s DC stuff, except other than Death of Superman, kind of was passed me by. So uh, I had I've, I, I kind of knew about this when we started getting to the show. I found out he did this series, and I'd always heard that the Perez run was kind of legendary. Yeah, but I have yeah, never read that either. I love George Perez's art. Um, going, you know, that when when we you mentioned this, I said, okay, well, that's great. I'll go ahead and read the burn one. And before I even read the burn one, because I I knew the first issue, uh, issue one hundred one, wasn't really an origin story. So I went back and read the Perez issue one to to you know to get the origin. And see how they laid that out. And I don't know if they changed it much between issue one and 101 as far as her origin. I know Byrne kind of sets things on end somewhere in his run because that's been talked about a lot. And um, then I also found that I have, of course, the Greg Rucka issue one of, uh, of Wonder Woman from the Rebirth mm-hmm. that we picked up a free comic book day. And um little plug here, Mike Carlisle on his uh, – his blog is covering, and that's a crap box. The son of was it? Crap box, the son of Cthulhu. Um, he's got. He's done a blog basically comparing the uh, Perez and the Rucka origins. Interesting. Yeah, and so you know, he he tagged us on it, kind of wanted to get our you know our take on it. And I have, I said, well, I'm gonna have to read these before I do that. I read the Perez one um, with you know pretty much in a very uh, measured amount of time because it is you know there's a lot of exposition in it's, it. It's dense. I looked at it and I kind of started yeah. to read it and it, it's dense. Yeah, and uh, of course he plotted. He didn't script that one. He's he does all of it in later, doesn't he? Where he writes and writes and draws just like Burn. Um, I, that I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know how. I mean, Perez is not uh, Perez is another blind spot of mine because I, I, he's primarily a DC guy, and so I just I missed most of his stuff. But he's not really known in the way Byrne is as a writer. I know he does write and draw. He's a writer artist, but he's not known for his writing. He's, he's been primarily an artist, and right. he's stretched his wings as a writer from time to time. But you know, he's always good working with guys like Marv Wolfman, mm-hmm. uh, Marv Wolfman particularly. Uh, where they had that that good strong relationship, where they worked on the Teen Titans yeah, and um, Titans. 
uh, you know, amongst uh, the crisis on the infinite earth, of course. But, uh, you know, going back to, to Wonder Woman herself, though, um, I think that the, the one story that left the largest impression on me in regard, there's, well, there's two things that left an impression on me over the years. And they're very, very far apart. The first one was, uh, and I, I don't know the issue number, but it was an issue of the Justice League during the Jerry Conway days, I believe. And um, Earth was being invaded, and there was a hero ultra from Earth Prime. And uh, while they were in court, Superman was off doing something. And so Wonder Woman goes looking for him, and she finds Superman. And this is pre-crisis Superman. This is super all-powerful you know, can't be hurt by anything or any one Superman. Mm -hmm. And he's unconscious at the bottom of the ocean. And Wonder Woman is in her invisible jet and she's pulling him up with the magic lasso and she's screaming, Cal, oh God, Cal, <laughs> you know, and pulling him up to find out what's wrong. And it's one of those things where you, you, you see that personal moment and you just don't think of characters like Wonder Woman having a, a personal moment of concern like that. Of course, up to that point, I don't think in a comic book I'd ever seen Superman hurt. Let's say not pre not pre crisis Superman. This is, yeah, this is pre crisis Superman. You just did not see him hurt. You didn't see him bleeding. You didn't see him sweating. You didn't see any of that. Yeah. And so that that book alone just really freaked me out. Um, the second time that uh, I, you know she really had an effect on me was in Kingdom Come, and it wasn't the the warrior aspect of her that they really highlighted in the story. It was basically the hots that she had for Superman for most of the story <laughs> that, you know, she's basically saying, come on, I'm right here. I'm waiting for you, you know, and, uh, you know, just the, 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 the innuendo and the things that she kept putting out there. And then she just comes right out and says it, you know, passion. Yep. And I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> she is really throwing, throwing herself out there and, you know, he's acting like the guy at the strip club that's got a stack of twenties and doesn't want to spend it. Um, <laughs> anyway, but that, you know, those, those are the, 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 the stories over the years that really had an effect on me again, cause I hadn't read her. Yeah. And I, I, I so the, reading this was, you have a sense of who the character is mainly from the other media you see her in, but, right. uh, and then of course not, I've read this one issue. I didn't read the rest of his run. So, cause I didn't want to kind of taint that. I wanted to kind of deal with just this issue by itself. And you get a sense of kind of who she is. I, 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 but not having read the Perez run, which I know kind of really established. That's you know, like I said, that's post crisis, and he kind of set, yeah. he set, you know, he kind of laid down all the rules. Right, and got back more to the um, the I guess the mythos, more of the uh, the gods and goddesses aspect of it. And yeah, he really he he really uh, made made Heracles the uh, wow. Yeah, he really he did a did a, a, a it was a great number with him, and it's it's something that most people should not be surprised of be surprised of when reading about the the Greek gods and such. Yeah, uh, to to see how they portray Heracles or Zeus or, or or any of them for that matter when it comes to women. Yeah, so which is yeah. interesting based on the the guy that created One Woman. I, there's some I, there's some interesting there's some interesting things going on with that guy. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman herself is a Betty Page fantasy, an Amazonian woman that wears a teddy everywhere. She's got a, 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 a magic rope that forces you to tell the truth. That is a Betty Page fantasy. And this is a guy that helped invent the lie detector. detector yeah. Well, he was also so, apparently he was his. We're talking about William Mol Moulton Marston. Yeah. He was yeah. Uh, who's who's uh, 
living lover with his wife was supposedly mm-hmm. the inspiration, uh, which uh, interesting. Her name was Olive Byrne was the <laughs> supposedly the inter- the uh, uh, um, inspiration for the appearance of Wonder Woman. Cause apparently whether this is apocryphal or not, she wore some bracelets that were reminiscent of the, uh, the bracelets that Wonder Woman would wear. Uh, itself is a metaphor. Olive Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Wow. Sounds like a, that, it sounds like a Popeye character. Well, to me, it sounds like, um, you know, this woman is nothing but war. She'd burn the olive branch. You know, yeah. she's the she's the reason for, for it, you know. And, uh, you know, amazingly, you know, they as a, as a uh, triplet uh, survived at least until his death. Yeah. As I understand. Cause I, I read up on that as well. I knew that. That they had done that, but and then the women stayed together until um, that one of them or both of them passed away in the nineties. Yeah, he had he apparently had children with both of them. Oh um, man, just... and which is odd that he seems to be he seemed to be a, like almost like he was a feminist. He believed in a strong female a strong a strong female role model, and he felt that in what many ways women were superior to men. But he also felt it was okay for he thought bondage and submission were okay, and he felt, especially for women, that it was okay for them to submit to uh, a strong, what he called a strong, kind authority. You know, basically think, like a gentle authority. Right, but I think what he was thinking more of is that bind the hands, free the mind. I think that was like one a, a motto so? of his, or something something along those lines was was the motto of the guy: bind the hands, free the mind. Yeah, it's, so, you know, it's the well, and the, his bra- it's something I didn't know until I started doing some research for this that I didn't, you know, her bracelets I thought were just, you know, her bracelets. No, they're, they're equivalent to handcuffs, basically. Yeah, and they're called the uh, the they're called the bracelets of submission. Mm-hmm. And I guess her her uh, her kryptonite is that if they're ever bound by a man, she loses mm-hmm. her power. Yes. Yeah, I, I know there was even one time they said that if man ever set foot on as they called it back then, Paradise Island, because it was George Perez that brought in Themyscira. Themyscira, yeah. Okay, uh, that if man ever set foot on the island, that all the Amazons would lose their power. Okay. And so they never let Steve Trevor actually set foot, you know. And, of course, that was back in the days when they also had the Purple Ray and and things like that. I don't even know if they they have that anymore. And I didn't see any of the stories I was reading. I even watched the – I've got the first season of the Lindy Carter, and I started watching mm-hmm. the the pilot just to kind of compare. And it's 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 pretty close to, I guess, the from reading the Perez first issue. It's it's similar to that, and it seems similar to the from the previews of the film. Uh, it seems very similar to that. So I mean, it, it's a little more. She's probably a little more naive. Uh, Lindy mm-hmm. Carter is, you know, but of course that a lot has to do with the the era, you know, the I, time I, I in think- which it was done. I think with any one of them. Now, the thing is, with Gal Gadot, this is the fourth Wonder Woman that we've seen on screen. Um, and you're, I know you're raising your eyebrow. Wait, four? There were actually two others before Linda Carter. Kathy Lee Crosby. Mm-hmm. She did that who, in... Uh, yeah, she did Yeah, the, the, the Wonder Woman TV movie. Well, she kind and, of played in a jumpsuit. She was like, she didn't wear the bustier. She was kind of all fully clothed. Yeah. But uh, Bill Dozier, who produced the Batman series, he had produced a pilot short 
for Wonder Woman, and I'm trying to remember the name of the of the woman that was. Uh, it's the the woman that, that played. Was no- and you know what? I, I just goofed. There's a fifth Wonder Woman. We forgot about Adrienne Palicki from. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, she was on Agents of Shield, and that was a uh, Stephen Cannell, wasn't it? No, no, that was uh, the guy that did the practice. It was David Chase. Is that right? It wasn't Cannell. Oh, no. It was either David Chase or David Kelly. David it- Kelly. Yeah, that yeah, failed David pilot. Kelly was. I've seen yeah. the pilot. It's it's not bad, but it's not. They decided to go with it, but yeah, but uh, yeah, there was one from the '60s, and you can find the video out there on YouTube, and it's really, really, really bad. It's um, it's 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 the girl that played Nova in Planet of the Apes. It's uh, Kim Linda Harris. Linda Harris. Kim, yeah, Linda Harris. Kim Harris. Um, wow, Linda Kim Harris, right? I'm I'm looking right yeah. now. I've seen clips uh, for it. And it's it, it's it's pretty it's pretty campy. Ellie Wood Walker played Wonder Woman. Hmm, that's that's, that's her name in in that. Um, oh, but you know, again, it was it, the the Bill Dozier. I thought it was some big bigger star, but um, anyway, yeah, it was it was really really bad. It was nowhere near the level of Batman, even up to season three. Uh, with with Batgirl, it was nowhere near the level of that. It just was a little worse on the on the whole camp. And uh, the Wonder Woman costume, you know, it, her, her, she didn't do justice to the Wonder Woman costume. Kathleen Crosby, it looked too much like a tracksuit. I felt. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was to, a, to like workout gear. Yeah. But uh, Adrian Palicki, you know, she looked like a porn parody of of Wonder Woman, in my opinion. When I saw, first saw the picture, I just said, okay, this is wrong. There was this, they, they even put like hooker lipstick on her or stripper lipstick on her, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, no. What, Which what is it? sad because Adrian Palicki is really uh, a good actress and I yeah. thought she was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What uh, what shade of red is, is stripper, uh, stripper lipstick? Um, anything that is the color <laughs> of cherry or darker. You know, <laughs> but it's got to have a certain level of contrast with the hair. Hey, whatever, I'm, I'm a guy. <laughs> anyway, um, do we want to take a look at the book? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, let me. I got. We're, we've kind of talked about one of them, but I want to ask you something real quick because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Right. I finally saw Logan after oh. after months of not seeing it. You watched it Sunday. I, I actually wound up buying it, so I watched it at home, and. I know you saw it when it first came out, so I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it since then. Yes, I have. You have, okay. Uh, and I don't remember your what was your impression. I don't remember what you. I seem to think you liked it, but let's spend five minutes I talking really, about it. I really, really liked it in the theater. Um, it it struck me on a number of emotional levels. Um, you know, I'm 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 a person that will cry in a movie. I cried during the last twenty minutes of the. The uh, Return of the King in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, 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 yeah, it definitely affected me. Um, and at first, I thought this is a movie I probably can only watch once, like uh, Pay It Forward, mm-hmm. because it it was it was such a hard hit, you know, considering you know how it ended and everything. And you know, I since went back and watched it. Um, and I kind of found pacing problems in 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 the the subsequent viewings. Um, it's still really really enjoyable, and that girl is so 
magnetic on the screen. She is good. She is very good. Um, yeah, you can't help but just wow. You got to watch her. You just got to watch what she's doing. Um, everything that she does, she's got. She's making great choices as an actress. Uh, you know, this isn't you know just a kid reading the lines or following a director's direction. She's really putting a lot of thought into what she's doing and who she is. And uh, that that is, I expect to see big things out of her. Um, Patrick Stewart, of course, uh, just was amazing in that in that, uh, especially in his final scenes. Um, it was just greatness. And you know, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman was just, you know, he was Logan all the way through. Hugh Jackman is very good at it. I I thought. Uh like you, I think it's a very powerful film and it stays with you. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of just lingers in the back of your mind after you've seen it and you just kind of, kind of turn it over and kind of think about it. And it, and it kind of has you thinking, you know, hours after you've already, you've watched it, even though you kind of know, I mean, you know, I, mean, I didn't know for sure. Okay. This is spoilers here for Logan. If you haven't seen it yet, turn, turn this podcast off right now. <laughs> We all kind of assumed that he was going to die in the end. Excuse me. Yeah. Because we knew he was going to leave the role. So you assumed, hey, this is going to be his last outing. And he was going to try to hand it over to somebody else. But that still doesn't dampen the, the effect you have that at the end. Because he, uh, not only is he, is he, he plays someone who is so beaten down and weary of just, one, he's sick. And he's kind of weary of who he is, and, and and he's got all this weight on him. And he's having to take care of the professor, and the world's kind of gone to hell. And he has so many multi layers of that throughout the whole film. I think the the best scene of his is, and again, spoilers, after the professor dies, and he's buried him, and he just has that fit with the shovel and the and the the truck. You can mm-hmm. just see all that anger and all that rage is just exploding out of him, and then he just collapses. And it's just, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of giving me kind of chills talking about it now because he's just really good in it. And I, I think there are maybe a little bit of pacing problems. I think it, it, it's a long movie for one, and it's, and it kind of goes along at one kind of steady note throughout. But, and it's brutal without being. I don't think the, the violence is gratuitous. I think they missed an opportunity also. And that was, you know, because they had, you know, the the guy, the villain was Donald Pierce. Of course, uh, we know him from the Hellfire Club, from way back in the Phoenix Saga. Um, and, you know, they didn't say who. Did they say that those guys were the, what were they called? The Reavers? They were the or whatever? Reapers or the Ravengers? Reapers? I think it was Re- Reavers. Reavers. But, you know, the there were several issues during the, the Claremont years when he had um, – John Romita Jr. and uh, the Barry Windsor Smith issues where mm-hmm. Wolverine got attacked by these guys. They were Hellfire Club mercenaries. Now, way back in X-Men 133, which, of course, we've discussed previously, mm-hmm. uh, Wolverine tore into these guys and cut them up really, really good. Well, some of them survived, and they wanted revenge. He turned them into cyborgs. He turned them into to you know half man half machine and so they came back to get their revenge on him and you know with lady deathstrike and i i was like why aren't these guys those guys i mean these are guys with cybernetic parts you know 
Pierce himself and other guys on there, you know, they've definitely got, you know, other parts. And of course, it's probably from the girl or whatever's going on at the facility they're working at. But why couldn't they have been those guys that have an axe to grind? It's, you know, they just want, you know, Wolverine done and out. I, I think that could have made that a lot more powerful. You see a guy with a, a mechanical body part, you're wondering, why does he have that? Well, it makes sense that Wolverine at some point probably sliced it off. Yeah, it seemed like most of their body parts were just missing arms. Uh, and they weren't, they seemed to be just like, Pierce's was just like from the elbow up or even from the forearm up. It didn't seem to be, uh, maybe they were trying to, I mean, I think this film seems like they're trying to keep it a lot more grounded. So maybe they weren't trying to make it as comic booky. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. And I thought the – who was the but group? The thing, here's the thing. Even going back to X-Men 2, you had that entire segment in there where Wolverine went against those army guys that uh, Stryker had brought into the mansion. Now, again, this is – let me see. Let's we'll see. The X-Men 2 took place in what, 2004? Uh, first was – yeah. First one was 2001, I thought. But it was like, well, 2000, 2001, but this is like 2004. Anyway, um, this one took place in what year? Was it uh, 2029? Mm-hmm. So it's not inconceivable that you could have older guys that would, that are wanting to get back, get revenge, you know, at least from no, that. But there, there are other points where he could have, you know, had definitely uh, a number of uh, victims of, of that type of situation. But yeah, again, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Like I said, it's just like a missed opportunity. Um, in, in my opinion, but then again, the the story wasn't necessarily as much about him as it was about her, you know, his endings, her beginnings. Yeah. Well, I think another missed opportunity, and I understand why they did it, was the uh, the X twenty four, which basically is Hugh Jackman playing that part too. I thought because obviously she is a female clone of Wolverine, or either a female clone, or they just use his. DNA and another woman. I know they didn't exactly explain that. I thought X-24 could have been more docking. I mean, I know that he has to look like Hugh Jackman to, for the scene with the, the professor to work. Uh, and same with the other guys later. But I thought it would have been nicer if it wasn't Hugh Jackman playing that part for somebody else and he had the claws like docking instead of uh, just a clone of himself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's just kind of nitpicky stuff. That's not... yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. And then it's, I think right. it's, it's, um, it's, it's good. It's a good. I think it's a good ending for uh, Stewart and for Jackman. Anyway, uh, all right. So, do you want to get into the book proper? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've got, um, I've got a quote from Bird. I kind of wanted to read before I, we go into the, uh, the the book synopsis and kind of the the, the information because it, I thought it was very interesting. I found this on his uh, Burn Robotics in the forum that, that he and it wasn't. This wasn't – this was just a random thought that he put on the forum that he – I guess he came up with. But uh, it is, uh, quote, uh, as many of you are doubtless aware, I actually drew more issues of Wonder Woman than I did of Uncanny X-Men. But here's where the strange part comes in. I just spent a few minutes scrolling through random pages from my Wonder Woman run online, and I didn't remember any of them. On X-Men, you can show me a page, and my mind is instantly awash with sense memories the muscle memories of drawing the pages. It's almost as if I am transported back to my younger self. This is pretty. Tr- this is true of pretty much everything I've ever worked on, old, new, or in between, but not Wonder Woman. And that's particularly weird because I put a lot 
of effort into those pages. It took me longer to find that book than anything I had worked on. But once the pages fell, once the pieces fell into place and I started producing what I felt was some of the best work I'd ever done in my whole career, yet each page is a stranger to me. He says, weird. So I think that's odd that he, of this is of all the stuff he's worked on, why this book seems to be a blind spot in his memory. You know, um, and, and I wouldn't, I'd be afraid to ask him the personal question. Um, I know uh, from experiences with other people um, that have had to deal with one sort of pain or another, that if they had to use um, any form of opiates for a period of time to, to, to deal with that pain, that you will talk to them about things and they'll say, I, I have no memory of that whatsoever. A good example is Matthew Perry. He does not remember three years of filming Friends. Mm. He does not remember filming the episodes because he was under the, you know, under, under that so heavily uh, during that period of his life that, you know, it just kind of washes it away. So you, it, it's a fog and you can't remember it. Uh, my wife had back surgery years ago and she was in pain for a while and she fought through, fought that same thing. We'd be sitting there and I'd say, Hey, um, you know, what do you want to watch? She goes, well, let's watch this movie. And I said, we watched that a couple months ago. She's like, I have no memory Never of that whatsoever. It. You know? And, and so I don't know that that's what was going on with him, but it is a possibility um, that, that there's something like that. I hate to speculate. I really do. Yeah. I it's know. just that I've heard that not just from her. I've heard that from a number of people over the years that they've had that kind of experience. Um, you know, what's interesting, though, is that Byrne himself, when he worked on this book, uh, he was actually enjoying himself doing it. Uh, and the only reason why he left was that he thought Paul Kupperberg, as the editor, was getting ready to leave. And he just did not want to be under any other right editor. Else. Yeah, he, he just knew that, that being under any other editor was going to make it a miserable existence. And, you know, he and Paul Kupperberg had a good relationship. Apparently, though, he didn't actually talk to Paul about this to find out what Paul's plans were. Just Paul's contract was going to be up. He naturally assumed that he was going to be he off the book. He leaving. And so he dropped both Wonder Woman and uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World as a result of that, not knowing that, that Kupperberg was going to stay on. Uh, that's interesting. You think he would have at least said, hey – if you're leaving, I'm going to be leaving too. Do you know if – I couldn't find this in my research. Did he, Was he asked to do this book or did he like solicit for it? Did he, did he ask to do it or did they ask him to do it? I don't know. I have to assume that they asked him to do it because as, as he said, he floundered around with the book when he first started it. Uh, it took him a while to really find the voice he needed for it. That he was happy with. He 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 wasn't happy with his first couple issues, and that makes sense if he's not if he had you know like any other book if he had like oh I want to work on this and work on that you kind of have ideas in your head already. If this mm -hmm. is presented to him, he's like yeah I'll do it because he probably hasn't worked on Wonder Woman and he wants to you know it's a challenge. Then you have to kind of like you said you maybe you have to work your way up to finding where you you know where your place is and where your voice is when you want to tell your stories. Yeah. And so I was wondering, you know, well, I mean, again, this is part of the, the, the prep up for it. What else did uh, did he do at the time that he was doing Wonder Woman? He did. Well, it, 
Go ahead. Well, I mean, at the same time he did this, and he did he did a dread the, the, the Judge Dread book, which he wrote, didn't draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legends of the Law number ten. He the, the artist in that was Tommy Lee Edwards. Uh, I think the only thing he was doing with this was uh, Next Men, wasn't it? No, this is it. Um, he had done like a single page, I think, for direct current, and I think that was basically talking about his work on Wonder Woman. And he did a Lobo Gallery uh, pick, and uh, that was in the Lobo Gallery Portraits of a Bastage, number one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had number two. Um, and everything else was like reprint stuff. Yeah, I found a lot of reprint stuff, stuff that he was just, you know, X-Men stuff or Fantastic Four stuff. or. Yeah, I mean, but they, they really, I think they saw something uh, in in what they wanted from Byrne for Wonder Woman. So they actually put out a variant. Of course, that was a popular thing to do at that particular point in time. Uh, a variant cover or a variant book uh, issue of, of uh, the, it, the Wonder Woman 101. So there's more than one printing out. Oh, interesting. I haven't, I've, at, at the same time. I haven't seen the variant. I know he followed this up with, I think when he left this, he kind of went over and did Spider-Man Chapter 1. And he would, that's when he was doing Generations too, wasn't it? The Generations come after this? I thought Generations was much later than that. He did the Captain America Batman story first. Well, I know well, I know the same year he did this, he did the Galactus Dark Side one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been around the same time he did Captain America Batman because mm-hmm. that was during that sweet spot where DC and Marvel were getting along enough uh, to do this and to do the JLA Avengers and and you know all all that stuff that was so wonderful. Well, they were uh, amal- and amalgam, and they were they were trying to basically kind of keep each other afloat. So they were coming up with these crossovers. Yeah, and I love that stuff. And didn't uh, Burn also did some Jurassic Park? Um, did, did he? Well, or, Simonson did some. I didn't know he did any Jurassic yeah, in, Park in, in February '96. Return to Jurassic Park number nine, the Jurassic Jam. Did he draw it or just write? I don't. I don't know. I don't have it. I've not mm. been able to. Uh, to get that one, I'm gonna have to look and um, find that. There's so much burn stuff that kind of in the like I said the mid '90s where I didn't know he was doing it. I, I knew he, you know I was reading his next men stuff, but I didn't and know. He prob- was- and looking at the chronology that I found, it's hard to sit there and discern what's the original work and what's what reprint, is yeah. the reprint. I mean, obviously, if you see Essential X Men number four, you know that's reprint. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Origin of Galactus number one. Um, I don't know if that is. I, it, that sounds like it'd be a reprint of all of his stuff that he did in Fantastic Four. Probably. The Trial of Reed Richards and, and all that. And uh, the he, he did that one, one shot Silver Surfer with uh, Tom Palmer uh, about 10 years earlier. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, the, the jumping on Wonder Woman, it was, it was definitely an odd time for me. I had stepped away from comic books around this time. Um, I got married – Things change. And I'd also got disillusioned when I, and I, I've mentioned this before on other, other podcasts. When I heard, and I heard it on the radio, that they're going to kill Superman. And hearing like that to me, it just said, cash grab. Because oh, you know they're going to bring him back. That's exactly what it and was. I, and, and I was just like, oh gosh. But you talk to guy, you talk to Michael Bailey, you talk to Scott Gardner, you listen to the history around it. Um, the guys that were doing Superman at that time, Dan Jurgens and those guys, 
you know, every year when they were sitting there, so what are we going to do with Superman this year? The first thing they'd all say is, let's kill him. <laughs> and then they go on. But, you know, they said, well, let's talk about this, you know, this, that year. And they said, what will we do? And then they, you know, they, they, they did it. But, you know, they said that it wasn't a cash grab. It was an editorial decision. But it is a cash grab because you know you're going to bring them back. And you know that, that, that when they decided to do that, it turned into this huge thing. It turned into this gigantic event. And we're still feeling the effects of it today because of Batman v Superman. But, True. You know, but, I, but as a cash grab, if we're going to call it that, I thought it was successful. I liked it. It kind of brought me back into Superman. I had a laugh when Byrne left. And that brought mm-hmm. me back in mainly because, of course, that was in the 90s where you're thinking, oh, this is going to be worth, you know, a small fortune. So I better buy this out. Uh, but, you know, as I started reading it and all the uh, the spinoffs and, the, and everything else, I thought it was in bringing him back. I thought it was a, a pretty successful uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was unlike the, the whole Bane thing. I didn't read that. I didn't read the Batman um, Bane or the. Azrael, uh, all that storyline, the breaking of right. his back, and I didn't, I didn't read yeah. that. But, but. Yeah, and I, I didn't read that. I, I, I read the the return when Batman actually took on Azrael, um, just to see him come back. But I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't go off any of this. Now I've got trade paperbacks of all this stuff that has been given to me over the years. I never actually had to buy any of it, um, and so I've read it all. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is. It's not a bad. It's not bad storytelling or anything. But you know, it just. I was at that age. I was near thirty. Things, you know, thing. Uh, my life was changing. I gotten a new job, an actual career, and so everything was changing for me. And mm-hmm. I was just so busy. And, and the thing is, one of the things that was taking a lot of my time was uh, I was involved in Star Trek fan clubs. And we just put on a major convention in Arlington in 93. And I was really involved in the clubs. And they, they had me uh, – it was like I was working a second job. But, you know, we, we did a lot of things for charity and such. And I was really involved. I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed all the friends that I had in that. And as the years have gone on, a lot of those have gone on their own way. And a lot of people got involved in the politics of a Star Trek fan club, which mm-hmm. I, I just say to you right now, once a club starts being about the politics, it's time to get out. Uh, I, I agree and, there. And so you, you just walk away. And and so, you know, life changed and, and I got away from comic books for a while and then I got divorced. And so that's when you start picking things back up. But I never got back into it the way I was before where I would sit there and spend $30, $60 a week on comic books. And that's a lot when they were within what, what $1.95, $1.75? Yeah, yeah, but you, you'd sit there and you you had a poll list at the comic book shop. You 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 know they knew you and they knew what you liked and they fine things. This wasn't at a time when statues and all the collectibles were coming out. This is back when you went to a comic book shop and bought comic books. Well, that was a time when you would go and it used to be on Thursday. Then they changed it to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. When I started, it was Thursday. You'd go and you get your books. You go home and you'd read all of them right away, usually one yeah. after another, and. Yeah. Now it's kind of like, okay, I got my books. I'm going to set them aside and yeah, I'll get to them. But this is also at that time in your life when you're old enough that you're working a decent job and making some decent money. But at the same time, you don't have any responsibilities. And so you got disposable cash. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, where my life was before I got married and then after I got divorced. Um, 
you know, you, I sit there and start looking at that. But I was, I, I started branching out and doing some other things. I bought a car to rebuild and and some other things, you know, that 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 I had working on. And then I decided in 2000 when I moved into my house here that I wanted to uh, open up a comic book shop. But 9/11 destroyed that idea. And uh, you know, I, I I'll go into that some other time. But I think we should get into the book. Okay. And, yeah. And. and and go through this, but yeah, that's definitely a different uh, side of life there. And Wonder Woman kind of got hurt in that. In that, I didn't, you know, pick up and read her books off the shelf again. With the subject being Wonder Woman, I don't know that I necessarily would have read it just because I was a Burn fan. I wasn't necessarily incensed to sit there and say, "Oh, I've got to pick this up and read it." I probably, if I'd known about it, I probably being because it was Burn. You know, there's that time when I pick up anything, it was Burn. But sometimes you just if you didn't see it on the on the shelf or didn't know about it, you weren't looking for it, you know. And it just you know passed me up. And although he was on it for three years, so I must have seen these at one point. I just guess I just never never clicked that. Oh, hey, hey, he's actually drawing this and um, the next thing. That's the only thing of his at that time I was into was really. Yeah. Okay. So Wonder Woman. Right. Wonder Woman. One oh one. Volume two. One oh one. One oh one. Is Tell me about it. Post-Crisis Wonder Woman. Uh, as Brian said, Wonder Woman issue 101. Uh, DC is a publisher. Our cover date is September 1995. It was on sale July 1995. It had a cover price of $1.95. We can go back to those days. We got 32 pages. The story is entitled Second Genesis. There must have been... Okay. Mike, I've got page count of 32 and a page count of 22. This is from it's Mike's a 32 page book with uh, with the 10 pages of ads. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it's like more commercials. Yeah. Our uh, our writer, artist, anchor, letterer is John L. Byrne. Our colorist is Patricia M- Mulvihill. Mulvihill. And our editor is Paul Kupperberg. Uh This story is yeah. reprinted in the uh, Wonder Woman Second Genesis trade paperback, which came out in 97. Yeah, and a new uh, hardcover. Uh, that just came out within the last few weeks. Like a, like an omnibus? Yeah, but okay. it's, it reprints the first 14 issues. Now, oh, okay. the thing is, um, when they did this, they didn't put it on glossy stock or anything. They just put it on regular regular stock. So it's no better of a, of a copy than what, than what you had. got from the original yeah, the original comic books. Uh, I, I and get, I'm just like, why, 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 why did they bother? do that? Why didn't, why didn't they give it the, the real treatment? And maybe it was cost. I don't know. These days, from what I understand, it doesn't really matter what kind of stock you're going to do. It's going to be about the same expenditure when you're dealing with mass printing of a book like that. Um, But now I found it interesting that they didn't state in the credits in the book itself that he lettered it. And yeah, I that, found that um, in my other my other research that they uh, list that he yeah he's not listed in the in the credits as a letterer, but it, he obviously was lettering it. And the assistant editor got a credit, which you don't normally see on the the credits. You normally see that on the letters page. Yeah, if there is a letters page. Anyway, I'm sorry we shouldn't have said brought that up. Let's go ahead. And no, that's okay. Can synopsize and yeah, uh, I've got a poetic. <laughs> you uh, just um, some things I wrote down as my worthies of note here. Uh, this is the first appearance of Gateway City in this issue, which is a, obviously a stand-in for San Francisco. It is the first appearance of Mike Shore, the, the police officer in the story, although we don't actually get his full name until issue three. Uh, okay, our synopsis is as follows. 
Our story opens with a colorful description of Gateway City, a DC doppelganger of San Francisco. We see Wonder Woman strike a pose as she leaps across the city. The reader is giving hints of a past turmoil in her life, and she is at a crossroads. She hopes this new city will allow her a fresh start. She witnesses a high-tech robbery and just in time to play and is just in time to play bullets and bracelets with an armored gang calling themselves Anarchy Incorporated. They are battling the police in a couple of burn tech tanks. After deflecting bullets and tossing tanks, the crooks are defeated. One officer informs Diana that in the past two weeks there has been a lot of strange hardware floating around Gateway. She flies off with one of the robbers and gives him some private lasso of truth interrogation, but she doesn't bother to inform the police of her findings. Scene. We cut to a bar 22 hours later and we see Mike Shore, who is a police officer who told Diana about this, you know, the fact that all these crooks were winding up with this high-tech uh, hardware, is going undercover in a seedy dockside bar and asking too many questions for the locals. They feel he is being too nosy and a brawl breaks out. Mike is holding his own when one woman, dressed in civvies, steps into the bar. The bar flies quickly scatter when our heroine arrives and starts throwing blows. Diana then reaches behind the bar to trigger a hidden switch, which we assume is told by her informant, but the bartender pulls a shotgun at her, but before she can react, Shore shoots the man. The, trigger, the switch has triggered a giant armored vault-like door. Diana strips down to her uniform and opens the vault like a beer can. Mike is more than a little impressed by, by the feat and starts quizzing Diana on her stats. Just how strong is she? What is her favorite color? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And so forth. <laughs> They make their way down a, spir- a spiral set of stairs. When they reach the bottom, Wonder Woman remarks that the technology seems familiar. Suddenly, a huge armored monster attacks Diana. They trade, blow as, as, trade blows as Mike looks on, but soon one Woman is defeated and her body slams six inches into the floor. Two armored guys looking like pair demons grab Mike and pistol whip him into silence. Our two protagonists are dragged off and in our final splash page, it is revealed that Darkseid and Desaad are behind all the shenanigans. Everything is proceeding exactly as I planned, Darkseid chuckles as our story ends. The end. Now, are you reading a digital copy? I am. Okay, what color is Darkseid's arms? Uh, let me get to that. I'm reading the actual digital copy you uh, provided for me. Oh, okay. Uh, he is purple. Yeah, he's, he's purple. Yeah. The actual printed issue, it's pink. His arms are pink, or he's all yeah, pink. Yeah, it's pink, and even in the the the, the hardcover that just came out, it's pink. That's, that's <laughs> and and Burn is like, <laughs> so he's still to this day angry about that. Uh, yeah, he was he was pretty pr- pretty upset about this. Uh, I think the quote is still the blanking pink dark side. There, <laughs> you have no idea how long and hard I fought that nonsense. You think they corrected after they? You know, obviously, this is this digital copy has been corrected. You think they would have? I don't know. I don't know if they just if they went off this, or maybe because it's not it's on other paper. I don't. I don't. That, maybe that's just a screw up. You know, somebody wasn't paying attention to what they were doing. Yeah. Now, what what are your thoughts on this story? I thought it was okay. Uh, I felt I felt a lot like I was reading a She Hulk story, and I think there are some natural comparisons there. Uh, you know, the body type, you know, the strong female heroine and stuff like that. And the fact that they're both drawn and written by the same guy. Uh, I mean, I was kind of intrigued to, I haven't read the next issue, but I kind of, the cliffhanger makes me want to read how, how this ends. Yeah. It didn't, and 
it didn't grab me. I mean, one way, I guess I'm an advantage that I, I don't have any Wonder Woman baggage when I came into this. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't have any frame of reference. So I don't know if the way I'm reading is her character in this is the way she normally is. Uh, I mean, I thought it was okay. Not bad, but not not outstanding. You know, um, as far as the story goes, I, I, I like the story. Um, it was, it was, uh, a, a, I was enough into the story that uh, I wasn't distracted by anything else around me. And I read it and then all of a sudden, boom, there we are at the end. I said, wow, that was. It's a quick read. It it's, is a quick read. It was, it was, you know, a decomp- a little decompressed. And I was kind of, Wow. Um, I hadn't been surprised by that since Man of Steel number one, because Man of Steel number one did that to me also. Yeah. Um, on the artwork, I found the artwork. Uh, okay, I'm I'm a little disturbed, and uh, I'm a little disappointed you know, I, in the artwork. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, when it is, especially this second page spread of Wonder Woman, where it's got the second Genesis title, it almost looks like he's got some. He's bringing in some Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson influence into the work. Uh, maybe even some Rob Liefeld in some points oh, in don't this. Say that. I, I, well, you know, the, the, it's the way that he is portraying the body. This isn't, you know, the way he's ever, you know, that, that we'd seen him portray Wonder Woman before. And of course, we can only speak of Legends and Action 600. Um, you know, it. it there's also a difference in the way that he's drawing the musculature and it's, it, it, it's unappealing to me. It, it seems like a, a more of a shorthand on the lines than what he used to do and what he did later. What just a few years earlier when he was working like OMAC and such, the, 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 the musculature and, and the things, the, the lines were much tighter. And um, I, I don't know how to describe it. Even her hair doesn't give that same great look that Byrne had given it even as far back as Legends. She's not – no, I'll go back one to the cover. I really don't oh, like don't. this cover. No, you're right. You're right. The, there's very, very manly legs. But that's that's almost Rob Liefeld legs there. And that's, that's that the is, first thing that, I that thought is, of when that I saw is, that. that. That you know, I never that never struck me, but that is a lot like a life. One, it's a, it's like a Liefeld pose, and it's it is the arms, the legs. But I I think that he hasn't gotten his Wonder Woman model down yet. And but he's basically it, got the Wonder Woman model. I mean, change the hair, it's just She Hulk. He's drawn the, her for how many issues did he draw She Hulk? It's the same. It's the same body type. But that's Lucille Ball's face right there. I don't know what that face is. She looks angry. She doesn't look. Yeah, it, it, to look, me, it looks like it looks like Lucio Ball getting ready to, to hatch a scheme. Yeah, it's not. And then the the other complaint that I had here, and, and guys, look, I want you to understand something. This is beautiful art compared to most other comic book artists. There, it's 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 not bad, but it's not what I had um, come to expect from Byrne. It's it's you know a departure. It's a change. He made a change in his style during this period. And I understand that it's not my favorite. And I will point it out from time to time. Don't think I'm trying to take the piss out of it here. And I'm not going to sit there and say his older stuff was better because there's stuff that he did years before that was good. There's stuff that he did years before 
that wasn't so good. If you look at the Iron Fist, you can see that he was still learning his way. Yeah. But in the later 90s, when he was working on Generations, when he was – the stuff that he's that he'd done in the last couple of years for Star Trek, this the style that he had gone to there uh, is superior to this, in my opinion. And that's, again, my opinion. And part of the reason why I say this is that um, I'd gotten a remark on Facebook uh, about a month ago when, when I – put a, a, a tag out there for our uh, episode on Ego the Living Planet. Mm-hmm. And one of the listeners has said, this is just a couple of guys pissing on John Byrne. And he didn't like how we were so critical about the artwork. The thing is, we love this guy's artwork. But if something doesn't look right, we're going to say something about it. There's nothing wrong a- with that. Absolutely. I don't think we've ever... I don't think we've ever done said anything that we wouldn't necessarily say to Burns' face himself. We're not right. we're not tearing the man down. We're not trashing him. We're not. Uh, I mean, if anything, when he's on his game, we're almost too gushing. We just you know yeah. But if it's if it's like anything, it's not. And as you said, maybe people are you know we sound like we're we're tearing it down, but it's not. It's just not. You know, if he's normally at a ten. You know, maybe this is a six or a seven. It doesn't mean right. it's trash. It's just no. not what we we know what the man can do. And this yeah, is not up to his it's level. better than what a lot of other artists can do. That being said, the lasso is one thing that, that all through the book, it bothered me. Because it just looks like a very, very thin strand that just glows. And yeah, I didn't really like the glow that he put around it. That's a little... It's a little old school. I mean, I think if it's done now, they would actually do it with some kind of an like a, a an effect, like a Photoshop type effect. But um, yeah, it does. It looks almost like Spider Man's wispy little uh, yeah web, and, and you you almost want to see some texture on it. I mean, it's yeah, it's a small lasso, but it, you know, I mean, it's the what do they call it, the lasso of Hestia? Um, um, just, and you just figured that it would be something with a just a little bit more texture, but. A, Again, you know that um, you know he could be going basically off the the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, name. Uh, model that uh, they provided, you know, yeah. and uh, you know he's sitting there trying to find his own model and style to go through for Wonder Woman, and you know, it, it, again, I haven't gone far enough into the series. I'm going to because um, it definitely pulled me in, but. I hadn't gone far enough into the series to find out when he really gets his voice, as he says. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I just, I had complaints, and um, that was that was, you know, one of them was just the way he was drawing her musculature. It didn't look as nice and clean as the way he flattering. had drawn others. No. And the, the funny thing then, is, I, I, oh, I just made notes throughout the whole book that his building skyline backgrounds are phenomenal. And that's the one thing that never seems to lack is building and the perspective. Uh, well, and maybe I thought that the, the, the tanks kind of looked. I, I don't. I don't know. It, it's like it's not as detailed as he would normally do. It's like he he wanted to do detail, but he got to a certain point and said, "Okay, that's enough." Yeah, there were there were certain things where the rubble didn't look like his typical rubble to me. But that's yeah. I was referring more to his buildings. When you see the yeah. like you know that that first splash page, that's mm-hmm. a great shot. That moonlight yes. and the bridge, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. The, the city, that's the beautiful. Cityscapes are the cityscapes are beautiful. I'm yeah. I'm talking about the 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 yeah the the rubble and the other the other uh, textures. 
well, his, we see going. The tech in this, and if I go to this, okay, the splash page you're talking about, and I agree, her pose is one I don't like where she's almost looking at the reader. That just looks awkward. It does, it does look like she stopped to pose. Oh, you're there. Let me pose for you. Uh, yeah. And it just looks like she is, she's a little contorted, a little too much. And, and I think her hair's yeah. a little too much hair. It's like almost like Medusa. Um, yeah. But the gun, the guy that's firing. I, I, I wonder if this is like his statement, you know, is, is he, is he taking influence from those guys in the nineties that were, that were, you know, the big ones, the, the McFarland, Liefeld and you think uh, he would, you think, I mean, he would, but he was established long before those guys came along. You think he would, was, do you think there was pressure for him to kind of alter his style towards that? Or I don't, I can I, imagine him doing that, looking at their style and go, Yes, that style's better. I'll I'll copy that. But well, you know, again, you know, when you sit there and you remember back, you know, each company had their own style books on how they wanted their characters done. And I don't know if they put one out in the nineties, but if they put one out in the nineties, who would they use to do the models? I mean, I would have wanted John Byrne to be the guy that to sit there and put that out. But no, they're gonna sit there and they're gonna say, Who's the biggest guy that we can get right now? They had McFarland in the eighties. Um, I don't, I don't know. Again, you know, this is at a time when McFarlane is already off an image. I don't, I would think that, but, uh, that it would be the, at least as this is what I understand, at least over at Marvel, I, I thought that Ramita Sr. was kind of the, he was the art director and mm-hmm. he was kind of responsible for, I think, character models. Right. And he um, created the house style. Yeah. So I don't know for who, a long who, time. I don't know who did the, who's, I don't know who's his analog is at DC. Right. And because what they did, again, like in the early 80s, they had JLGL, I'll just say that PBHM, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to do that. And I don't know if he did it for everything, but he did it for a lot of the marketing stuff that went out. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder how that was in the 90s because it looks like he's definitely pulling some other style in this when he is drawing her. And it took it probably took him a while to sit there and get comfortable with it. I'll say this, her face throughout the book to me was not consistent. It's not. Absolutely it's not consistent. Especially the the where she's smaller in frame. Yes. Some of them it's 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 really bad. Well when she's doing that when they, the first time they show her deflecting bullets with her uh bracelets, the look on her face and the, the she's got hooker lipstick on right there. Mm-hmm. That's What's, hooker lipstick right there. That's what I'm talking about. And that star tiara on her head is so huge. I thought the tiara throughout the whole book was a little larger than it should be. <laughs> well, and, and people talked about Byrne at this point, and I had never really given a whole lot of thought, saying that you know he was getting into more caricature than he was staying with the, the real good character models. Because people in the 80s, those that were critical of him called his characters mannequins, but they had symmetry. Whereas a lot of the characters you see in the background of this, they're caricatures now. They're not so much characters, but caricatures. And I'm talking like the bar fight mm-hmm. is a good example. But, you know, we can, we can uh, sit there and go on. Right now, I mean, we're looking at that that segment. Do you want to continue from here? Yeah, page four. Where, I she, got, yeah, where, where she's landing, yeah. page four. Yeah. And like the shot of her there as she's flying looks great. Yeah, where but she's the, landing, the, coming down. Yeah, the smaller panel where she's landing, though, it, it looks almost cartoony. It, it, it like a, like a little bit hembeckish, you know. Yeah, 
Well, I noticed that as, as as he went further in his career, that when he was having to draw something smaller in frame, it became less detailed, mm-hmm. and which is weird because these tanks, burn tech is usually very detailed, but these tanks are almost too busy. They've almost yeah, got it, too much. It was it was a weird level of detail, almost. And and I was trying to describe it earlier, saying that he wanted to make it very detailed, but at the same time, it's. And I didn't know how to describe. I didn't want to say muddy, but I guess that's that's a, a, a pr- an appropriate term to use there. Yeah, and the um, and but you're right that the the scene of her deflecting in bullets is it's not good. She looks like she's smirking. It doesn't look just doesn't look good. The tiara is too big. The expression of her face is wrong. She looks like she's 45 and divorced, and she's hanging out at a club waiting for someone to notice her. Yeah, she's like she should you know? be at the bar that we see later. And then that shot of her above where the guy's shooting at her, that's a very unflattering position. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, 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 her legs and everything are, are a little off. I, I, I hate this. I don't want to sit there and tear this apart like this, you know? Well, and it's, it's just, it's just not, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible art. It's not bad art. It's just not good John no, Byrne art. Yeah. yeah what you, we what know, we know does. what he can do. We know what he can do. Uh, and you know, we don't know what was going on. You know, it's, it's he certainly can draw better than we can. So mm-hmm, absolutely, but it's, it's different if this is what we were seeing his first work. But we know, we absolutely know what this man is capable of doing. Right. And but again, we don't know if he was under if he's under pressure for time. If he, like I said, you know, he wasn't feeling well. We don't know what the situation was. So yeah, um, but it seemed it does seem to come and go because I would think. Look at his next man he's doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think it's better. And I don't know if yeah. that's because that's more of his own baby. That's his own. And his passion lies there a little more but than it again, would be a woman. This is, this is the first issue. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with true, it. And true. You, you, you can tell he's got this. I don't want to make this cheesecake, but I can't help but make it cheesecake. You know? Yeah. And, and we'll see that later on in the issue. You sit, I don't want to necessarily have to shore from the backside, but okay, here it is. You know, he's got page six. He's got her tossing the tank, and that's such an odd, odd thing. And then um, when they show her and and she's deflecting whatever the guy's shooting at her there, the muscles and everything on her it looks I, I, I it's could be dirty from the rubble. I don't know if that's what he's trying to represent. I don't think so. I don't. It's just musculature. I think it is, and I think you hit it in the head. When you say it's just not flattering. I mean, look at the, like and I'll bring it back to the She Hulk. Look at the way he drew the She-Hulk, and he drew her as being attractive and muscular, mm-hmm. you know, and um, well done. This just right. doesn't look. I always come right. back to say that it looks rushed, and I don't know if that's the right word. It just looks a little unfinished, or he did it. I just think that he didn't have his style figured out here. That he was trying to find a new voice, and his pen wasn't taking him anywhere particular, so he just kept. Just kept doing it until he got it right. Yeah. Now, the bottom panel, what is going on with that voice balloon? I don't know. I, I just saw Al, that. And then and, and this, I stopped at this point and I was going, what is that? Because it looks like a backwards nine maybe and some uh, like carrots or I don't know. It looks almost like an alien language. Yeah. Which, okay. Um, or maybe he's supposed yeah. to be muttering under his breath. I just don't know. Yeah, uh, and then this the page opposite when she's tearing the gun up again. There's a 
Her face is not. She's got these arch, same kind of arched eyebrows she's got on the first cup co- on the cover, mm-hmm. and it's just a look. And the hair is not. He hasn't quite realized the hair. I give yeah. him that. He is not quite. Um, and her her size perspective versus this guy right here is off on this next page altogether. Yeah, because she lifts him up over her head. It looks like he's got to be about five three, and she's got to be about seven foot two. Well, she's on, supposed to be about seven foot, isn't she? You know, I don't know. I thought she was always. I thought she was. Isn't she normally drawn as taller than Superman? I don't know, but as as, as we go on page seven and page eight, now when she's standing next to what's his name, the the soldiers. Now, of course, they're wearing helmets, but they're not much shorter than she no, is. No, they're about the same height. But that guy right there, you see her at the bottom of page eight, and she's holding him face to face, and there's a good foot, foot and a half between him and the ground below. She, she looks like she's holding up a child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then she takes off. And then we go and she does the whole lasso of truth with him. And she looks so old there when she's putting the lasso on him. Mm-hmm. Though the cityscape above looks really, really nice. Again, this, his, he yeah. knocks out of the park every time he's drawing sky, Skyline or Skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the image of her standing in the middle of page nine where she's got her hand against the guy's shoulder. That's a good image of Wonder Woman. That's the Wonder Woman I think of. But then the next panel down, she looks aging. older. Yeah, that middle yeah. panel, she almost looks Linda Carter-like. Yeah. A little bit. But yeah, she does look... It's, it's, and it's, it goes back to her eyebrows. Maybe he doesn't quite know what to do to make give her an expression of, uh, I don't know, to be either not angry, but to be serious or i don't mm-hmm. i don't know i don't maybe I, I can't figure it out he has he obviously he couldn't figure it out either but and of course he uses she uses a lasso on the guy and i and i thought when i was reading it's like this you know this he says i want to he lawyers up because i want a lawyer uh and she's like okay but you know i'm gonna basically force you to tell the truth it's like that wouldn't ever hold up in court <laughs> you know <laughs> she's having to put that he's being compelled to uh even if he has time to tell the truth yeah but again she's not taken her to court herself no, and she's no, not true is she an, is she an appointed officer well i don't know because i haven't read the previous issues i don't know i don't know if she is like previous ones was like what mike diodato or or someone i, I don't remember who no it was uh i read who it was but i can't it wasn't anybody i recognized yeah and so <laughs> get on the next page and you see that the bar is on a pier right mm-hmm. and i bar. want you to yeah i want you to remember that the bar is on a pier, and you can see under that pier, right? Just remember oh, that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I know where you're going, and I didn't pick up on that. I did, yeah. not, I did not pick up on that at all. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, the, the guys that he's drawn in the bar, every single one of them is, you know, the, the very distinctive, char- for the most part, caricatures of mm-hmm. people. Rather than than people, but again, it's supposed to be a seedy bar out somewhere, and this is supposed to be the dregs of society there. Yeah, of course, the um, bartender looks a bit like Egghead. But did they, yeah. this uh, cop remind you the way he's drawn, or just 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 in general? But he reminded reminded me of a um, uh, young Bibbo. I was thinking, you know, it, it's other company, but I was thinking he's like an older Rick Jones. I can see that. Yeah, or he could he could be. Snapper cars, snapper cars represented back then. Um, that would be funny. But I like uh, on, on page eleven when they show him punching that guy. You can see that he's got like a almost a pug nose, mm-hmm. 
And that's that I, I really like. He's almost got an Archie Andrews look about him on that that profile shot. I think this is what you when people were saying that he he's starting to draw people more as characters. This is his style that is missing. If you look at say uh, X Men or Fantastic Four, he he draws everybody mostly realistic. Occasionally he'll draw somebody that's really really kind of wacky, but right. this he's he's drawing more. Uh, ugly, I guess the term ugly people, you know, not uh, yeah. more, uh, just these kind of, these are just standard bar toughs. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she shows up and, hey, for the first time I realized she's not wearing high heels. I noticed that when, uh, in the scene when she was, uh, and I had to go back and I had to look at earlier and no, she's got those kind of boots and they're not high heeled. No, they're just, that's what they would be. They would be standard. And that page 12 is a nice, I like this page. It's a good pose. It's a nice Dutch angle. Her oh, face, yeah. her face looks great. And um, the expression on that, that one bald guy right there yeah. is just, yeah, that's great. It looks like he's been doing about an ounce of Coke. Yep. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, that is a great page and everything about it is, is good. Um, I, I think the guy down at the bottom left though, he, not, not, um, the cop, but the other guy, he reminds me of uh, Moose from the the, the Magpie story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. And then right and right between her legs, it's Odin back there. Yeah, uh, I was about <laughs> to say that. That's that's either Odin or, or Santa Tony Claus Be- or Santa Claus. Uh, no, Tony Beats from uh, um, the Bering Sea or, or Gold Rush Alaska. Oh, <laughs> but he watches that show on Discovery. Um, he looks he looks just like oh, Tony Beats looks like Odin. Um, but that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Did you notice that? And I've, I didn't bring it up because it's, it's like, well, the first time you see it is really the, the first, on page 10, you first see it in the first top panel of the bar and some of the uh, fight scenes. And then page 13, that middle panel where he's kind of getting up on the floor and she's kind of wiping her hands. But it's these kind of big blocks of um, color. These uh, that rem- are very reminiscent of. Uh, early Marvel, especially I'm, I'm thinking Fantastic Four, where they would have just the characters be all in yellow and their background would be red, or yeah. it's just big, uh, you know, color blocks that almost seem down here. It's, it's the it's the long shots that are done that way, and it's on the next page. It's kind of interspersed with. Is that is that for an economy of color? Is that because the colorist themselves wasn't confident that they could give the color detail? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in the early days it was probably because of, like you said, economy of color. It was it was cheaper and just to paint one or two colors. Let, let me ask you, on page 13, is that John Byrne at the top right at about the one o'clock position running away? The checkered shirt? Yeah. Could be. It's it's his typical lumberjack shirt, you know? Yeah, uh, it could be. <laughs> Why not? This is one of the backgrounds I'm saying that I don't like, and I don't know if it's the recoloring are you are you reading a, a scan copy or a digital? I'm, I'm reading the same one you are. Same one, okay. Yeah. This background, this gradient background they've used, I really don't like. I'd rather it be a solid color. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's something they did for when they recolored it. Uh, I'm just not really – it just doesn't look right. Right. Now, I'm going to really make you think for a moment because this bugged me as I was reading it basically from the first time that I saw the bar. Now – we saw the bar from the outside. There was a door and there was a window. Mm-hmm. Now, the door and window are not in the field of view. 
here. No. Which means either the door is to her right or it's against the far wall that we're looking at. From. See. Right. It's not possible for that to be that because of where the bar is and what comes next because there's nothing underneath there. Yeah, that's something well, I never I never put those, that connection together that it's on a pier. Yeah. The, so, the geography of this, yeah, it, and it, it, you know, I the thing is, is that I I was thinking about that from the moment that I saw the bar on the pier, uh, before I even saw them, her move the, you know, get to the door, I I was like, wait a minute, the, the, what is the dimensions of this bar? <laughs> And so I think he kind of kind of goofed that up a little well, bit. It looks just, like, it's kind of like a TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside, it seems. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay. Anyway, moving, page, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Page 14, uh, we have a – at first, when I first read this, because the small – like I said, the, the far shots that are, are kind of monochrome mm-hmm. were almost laid out like that's a flashback or something that happened. The way you read the story, it's almost like, well, I, I had trouble kind of – connecting okay it goes that panel that panel that panel and then i realized it's it's just the way he's just he's telling his story mm-hmm. in those white shots but that middle panel where she's kind of putting up her dukes and yeah the, i i truly hate that panel that is well i you know the thing is i was trying to figure that out before i read got you know got to the text and i was like wait did he fire and she deflected a shotgun blast or you know, it it just seems so so weird, but it's it's about to get weirder. Weirder. It's, well, it's her now, expression. It's her her mouth, and yeah. like she's got her little kid hands. But I mean, it almost looks like she put her hands up and knocked the gun, his gun, up, and you didn't realize until you know you you you, you know you read down that Mike has shot the guy. Yeah. Either fatally or or he killed way. him. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's um, dead. Now. I gotta say though, before we get off this page though, the two face shots of her top are beautiful. That's beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah, that is Diana, Princess of Themyscira. Where was she? You know, I mean, uh, in the uh, one shot though, on page twelve, doesn't quite look like Diana. I mean, it's got very angry, determined, and she's got hooker lipstick on again. But you know, the face that we saw there, there on those two panels, that is her. And that's what I've been wondering, where is she? And there maybe she is. it's because it's the maybe it's the hair that's throwing him off. And this, her hair is pulled back, so it's a shorter haircut. It mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, but maybe that's he hasn't quite learned how to frame her face with all that hair. Right. Now what is the um the tattoo on the barman? Is that a monkey? A monkey? Right there, tell. under the shotgun to the left. Again, as I close in on it, it just it becomes unintelligible. But from a distance, it looks like a looks like, it looks like, like a, a monkey. It yeah, like kind of like a monkey in a monkey's tail. Yeah. Uh, I got another question. When she starts taking her clothes off, why yeah. was she? She's not trying to be in disguise. Why was she wearing civilian clothes? Because when she soon she walks in, they're like, "It's Wonder Woman." So I don't know why she didn't just. Well, if, if okay, she walked in already when they're attacking Mike. Yeah. If if they had attacked her, she just walked in and walked up to him, tried to stay incognito. That's true. I guess if she if she was going to try to do the same thing he was doing, yeah. she was going to try to uh, try to get information out of him, and then I guess once the you know the the, the jig is up, then she can um, start yeah. getting undressed. And that's you know let's take that to page sixteen. Which I think is a very awkward. Well, hold on, fifteen. Fifteen. Where's the? 
Oh, okay. Well, that 50, was just that's yeah. just her. We see way. the dead barman. Yep. And we see the door that can't possibly exist. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that was my whole point. There, there's okay. Where does the door go? <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, the barman to me it looks like he's dead. Let's call the police. No, this no. is a cop, right? Yeah. Oh, I have a self defense. I, you know, he was fixed to attack. He was about to shoot her, and I, uh, you know, I got to. And we do get a little bit of. This seems very burned when she says, uh, "Oh, thanks. I don't think my braces would have done much good because that was a, a you know shotgun and and uh, the the you know the blast was to feel was fired too high. That. That to me, that just hits me as burn. It's his kind of little. He likes throwing his little stuff that he's thought about. So he puts it yeah. in the comic. Of, like this is my little explanation of uh, you know how 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 things work in a comic book. But right, right. And I've always liked that, but some people find it to be a little too much exposition. I, I don't mind it. It's it, it just depends on how much he's given us. If it seems kind of obvious, then I guess it, you know, I don't necessarily like it. But it, it doesn't pull me out out of the story or anything. Um, what is this door that's revealed? Look at the top of it. It's got an arrow that points up. Yeah, and to me, that made me think of Mr. Miracle. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it looks like Mr. Miracle. Maybe that, well, it's, it's, that's all kind of connected, so maybe. Well, yeah, the moment I saw that, I was thinking Mr. Miracle, and maybe we'll get to see, you know, okay, so is that where we're going? It's first thought that I had. Yeah, and page 16, which... Again, I'll say is an awkward. Uh, when I first saw this, I thought well, something's you know my scans got cut something cut off. Her just taking her, her pants off at the t- in the top of the frame and her pulling the uh, the, the door off uh, just seems it's just awkward. I don't know what he was trying to do. It seems like there's something missing. I, I wish he he had not shown her taking the. I mean, he just used that as kind of a panel break. Well, no, in the, the previous panel, he shows her taking off the jacket. Yeah, she's and getting then, a dress. And then the shirt. And then the shirt, yeah. But, so she, you, you, but he's, he's using her her legs basically to separate him trying to open the door to her basically stepping up and saying, Here, let me rip the door off. Uh I just yeah. don't think it's I just don't think it's successful. I don't I don't I just don't think it works. Well, it, it and also it, it looks like it's an afterthought to me because you see the panel border at the bottom of it. Yeah. And it's like, let's add a little cheesecake. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. And and I'm just like you know I I didn't I didn't need I didn't no and, I, and then the, the bottom panel representation of course is not cheesecake it's again her using her muscles and maybe that's what he's trying to represent that when she has to use her muscles it's not going to be attractive but uh, again I'll, I'll say She Hulk he used to do She Hulk all the time and he was very successful there so I don't mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I don't again. It's this, green skin, man. It always makes it look better. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe it's the green. Read, read, read it in black and white and <laughs> see how, how how it goes. You it know, might you know if you read this in black and white, it might. But so that thing goes straight on for a while before it actually goes down, though. So that could that could yeah that could maybe that, it, that, it goes back because that that edge of the bar that we saw is just a small thing. Still, the 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 dynamics of it was really uh, the job. Of it was uh, a little distracting, and it distracted me from the first time I saw it. Now this hallway has got you know burn tech all over it in yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's it's different from burn tech that I'd seen previously. The lines are not as straight in this burn tech as what we've seen in previous burn tech. And you I think, I mean? and maybe that's that's the thing with the tanks. 
there's a lot of uh, radius lines and curved lines and right angles, and there weren't as many. He's always had very straight parallel lines uh, mm-hmm. in all of his tech. His tech, his tech always looks like it's kind of made up of planes, almost like yeah, layers he's, of paper. He's trying and stuff. to change things up. He is definitely trying to change things up. And with her standing there, and she's you know letting her hair free, and she's got incredibly, incredibly Barbie type long, long legs. Mm-hmm. I swear her legs are five feet tall on her, um, in, in that panel. But that panel is a, is, is a non-burn panel. That's that's somebody else's, you know, style there. True. And we, and we can't certainly fault the guy for wanting to change the, up his style. I mean, we can, I'm waiting for a, a – I mean, because it's so weird. You know, she's, she's kind of leaning over to her left, and yet that's a shorter leg. And you don't get the feeling that either one of them is bent. Well, I do kind of get a sense that one of them is, she is kind of picking one of them up. Maybe the beard left one, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think she could have so, done, it could have done a more little, her, her legs apart, a little more dynamic, but then that would have cut into her face, putting the, her tiara back on. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm interesting that this the officer, Mike is kind of, he kind of grills her a little bit. He's really kind of starstruck. You know, he talks to her about how strong she is and, and he's just kind of stunned about it, you know what she can do. Like he's never seen a superhero before. But hey, maybe Gate- Gateway City doesn't have any superheroes. Uh, maybe. So I'm wondering if he sure seems to be going along. With yeah. It, though. <laughs> oh yeah. If re- reading the issues are, is Burn kind of setting him up to be maybe kind of a love interest with her, kind of a, the Steve Trevor of his series. Where is Steve Trevor? Is he even alive? Oh, I don't know. Or is he dead from you. World War Two? You know, never, I mean. It, 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 yeah, he never made it. Did they ever bring him into the future? I mean, into the. I don't know. I don't. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's that's one of those things. But I, I got a feeling I'm going to be reading all the George Perez run, and then I'll go through this again. And um, I don't know about the Greg Rucker, but we'll see. Yeah. And they make it down this the, the uh, some very uh, un OSHA like steps. To be getting now that the, the page 18 is a nice. That tech looks. Don't you think it looks a little more Kirby? He's it yep. looks than it does burn, and that's yeah. probably intentional. But uh, but that's a nice. It's a nice. Uh, I love the shadowing in the, in the top of the ceiling. Uh, the monochrome color is nice. Um, that's a, that's a nice panel. Yeah, uh, and I really love the depth of it. Yeah, as it goes further back, um, the bottom panel has got good detail. But again, it seems like he's struggling with her. Her expression, facial facial expressions. Yeah, um, it's it's better than some of the rest, but uh, in fact, the, her muscular is a little better too. I mean, that's not a bad um, it's not a bad shot. He looks a little. Uh, well, I think he's just supposed to look, kind of look a little cocky, but yeah. And then they get attacked by what kind of looks like a giant pair of demon. You know, and I was sitting there trying to figure out was it kind of a, a statue or something, but it's supposed to be metal. Yeah, it looks like a, it looks kind of like the Titanium Man. It's supposed to look, it looks like an armored suit, or he's a robot, or yeah. Um, but uh, again, he's he's working so much with not doing straight lines mm-hmm. on the armor that it gave it. At first, you know, I I saw that and I thought, hey, the thing's arm. And it, no, 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 no. It does second, look, it does look like second the look, arm. you know, no, no, it's 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 something else. But I didn't think of it as metal at first. I was wondering if it was like a stone statue or something, but. Um, you come to find it is metal, but there, some things happened in here that I thought was really, really interesting. You know, of course, 
she's sitting there and and throws it into the wall, I guess. Or pushes and, it, yeah, something. Yeah, and and you know just crushes everything there, and then that was a really good uh, you know, s- uh, spot scene right there. And then of mm-hmm. course Kroom, I love Kroom. <laughs> <laughs> But then he just embeds her into the floor when the parademon showed up. Yeah, it distracts you. Her. Reckon, you recognize those as parademons right, right away. Right, yeah, I, I knew what, uh, yeah, I knew they were uh, some of uh, Dark Side's minions. And, um, but yeah, wham, cram, <laughs> bram, slam. <laughs> He's had a lot of fun with his uh, onomatopoeias. Uh, yeah, and, and, and why we are so using that word a lot lately. Even my wife used it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the thing is, like, I've not even heard it used until about a year ago. Uh, Kevin Smith was talking about one of his characters from The Widening Gyre. And the character's name is Onomatopoeia. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what, what is that? And so I had to look it up to find out, okay, so it's like the Batman, Bip, Bam, Pow, all that stuff was uh, Onomatopoeia. And I thought, okay, I understand that. <laughs> to the free, my rascally You know, it's like, so I, I brought it up with my wife and explained to her what it was. We saw, oh, hey, that's onomatopoeia. And then, and then of course, she, she used it. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm, you know, we're really rubbing off. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's not something that you expect to hear every day in normal conversation. No, no, not, it's not something you just kind of drop into your everyday, like you said, your everyday conversation. But So, guys, we're also educational, and I like that. That's right. Go, if you, have, <laughs> you know, like Stanley said, uh, when people ask, you know, why use so many big words when he was writing his books, he said, well, if a kid has to go look a word up, that's not the worst thing in the world. True. Yep. Do you think the size perspective on this thing is uh, consistent? Yeah, I guess it is. It's it's consistent. And, and yeah. he's doing something. I, I just noticed this, that with the the creature, monster, whatever he is, and in the hallway on page, I kind of jump back to 18, he's kind of playing with cross-hatching. That's very unburned-like cross-hatching that he's used um and the uh and at the bottom of 20 where he's slamming her mm-hmm. into the ground that his pose looks i get a very john pasima look to that that doesn't look you know that looks a little distorted a little but it's very comic yeah. book like and it's very dynamic i like it and it doesn't seem you know burn always usually his stuff looks more realistic when he's doing his kind of fight stuff but that mm-hmm. looks a little more uh Maybe it's the leg. Maybe it's just the way he's bringing the arm down. My question is, what's going on around the fist? What's going on around the fist that's hitting hitting her, though? Because it looks like like something's coming off of it. Oh, I thought that's just rubble coming up from... And Well, the, the lines that he's got on the, the uh, right side of, the, of it, it almost looks like there's bandage or, or something. Yeah. Or something wrapped around it that's it coming does look a little, Yeah, it does look a little, a little different. Maybe it's... Uh... I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe he's... Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, he's got her six inches into the floor. And she's out. Now, you know, this is one of those things that raised a question with me. Because I never thought of, of Wonder Woman as invulnerable. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, she's obviously very strong, very tough. But she's not, not invulnerable per se. But she doesn't bleed at all. In any of this, mm-hmm. 
And of course, he's hitting with very, very large flat fists. And so, yeah, you're not necessarily going to see that pure skin. But if he's hitting her in the face, you'd at least expect to see a bloody nose. Well, you'd think the way he's hitting her in that, that bottom panel of 20, he would have snapped her spine. He's hitting her directly, yeah. looks like directly in her back. But Yeah. And then the parademons come in and, and uh, you know, kind of grab grab Mike. and Why didn't they just kill Mike? I don't know. I guess we have to read further. Why that? Why I would think they would. They would just it would just blast him, or let that, that, that parademon's thumb at the bottom. <laughs> He's double jointed. Yeah, that hand, the whole hand looks wonky. <laughs> and then, of course, we get the the beauty shot at the end of Dark Side. Now, of course, we're watching digital copy, and he's purple, not pink. But yeah. even if you go on his website, they reproduce the page showing it as pink. Really? And why does Desaad look so cartoony? I mean, he's always been a caricature, Desaad has. But I, I, Burns' previous drawings of him, like in the uh, the Legends crossovers in his own book and, and in Legends, he didn't seem to be as uh, maniacal looking. Yeah. You know? I'll admit something. I have never really liked the way Burns has done Darkseid. He basically is kind of drawing, it should be the same as drawing Galactus. I love his Galactus, but I've never really just been a big fan of his dark side. I don't know if it's his face or because the body's I'm, a pretty, body's just a big body. But I, I, um, I've always liked it. Um, this is different outfit, you know, because he's got the riding boots mm-hmm. instead of the, the large, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a skirt. Or whatever that normally comes down, you know, from his waist on down. Oh, that's right. He does does look he's wearing kind of a tunic, doesn't he? Yeah. And, uh, but still, I mean, to me, this is, this is typical dark dark side as he's drawn him. Um, I I don't find anything wrong with that. And of course, Wonder Woman, she actually looks like Wonder Woman there. That's a great shot. She's she's unconscious and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, I think he's maybe because he's got a little control. The the tiara looks a little more proportionate. It's just a beautiful face. Uh, yeah. Again, it's his first issue in it. Um, again, I think it's kind of a gripping story. I I, I want to read more, and I have. Yeah. Um, uh, it's you know just not what you typically expect from him, and you know his DC work uh, after this. You know, of course, he he did Generations. His work in Generations, of course. Um, it's got its own style, mm-hmm. which is it's a step away from this, and, and I think is a better direction. Of course, each generation that he did, he did according to the style of that, that right, generation. Right. Yeah. It was thirties, forties, fifties, and so on. Appreciated that, you know, through generations one and two, and of course, we saw, you know, he got to work with a lot of different inkers when he was on, you know, Action Comics with Nelson. Which, if you guys are on Facebook, Nelson is all over Facebook right now, and he's on the John Byrne forum that are out there talking about the work that he did on Action Comics with John Byrne. Cool. Um, I, I, I may approach him to see if we might get an interview, That'd but be cool. uh, I haven't done it so far. I don't know if he's open to that or not. Uh, also, Joe Rubenstein is on, out there an awful lot, too, and he's answered a couple of my questions. That's cool. Um, yeah, he talked about the... The, you know, that one issue of Captain America that they reprinted from the pencils and the fact that he only got to ink the last page, uh, but that was still uh, I think you'd be surprised cool. some of these 
folks on Facebook that will, you know, they'll friend you and they will, and they, like you said, they're very responsive. You know, you think they're Mm -hmm. kind of unreachable, but they're, I think some of them are pretty happy to to answer questions. Well, you know, it's like when I got to meet Gail Simone last month, um, I didn't want to ask her questions about John Byrne because it was her story, you know, and I I, I kind of misspoke when I was sitting there talking about her work uh, on a previous episode. I think I I made the comment about her and Peter Dinklage was actually Byrne's and, uh, you know, so I, I misspoke then. But when I was sitting there talking to her, I wanted to talk to her about what she wrote rather than her working with Burn, because I didn't want it to sound like I was digging for something. Right. I can see that, that you, they may not want to talk, feel like they're, they're talking out of turn about somebody else. Right. And it, it, this is the same thing you can run into with the anchors, you know. What was it like working with John Burn? You, you don't want to sit there and do that. You don't also want to say, who's your favorite artist to work with? You know, it's, it's hard to talk with uh, definitely with anchors, I think, more than anybody else because mm-hmm. you don't want to get into the, the Banky Holden tracer discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, talking to them about their work with these other artists, it's, you know, a fine line where you, where you can ask them and you can get to patronizing or insulting. It's, it's very hard to yeah. sit there and keep it, um, a, a good conversation, you know, but you know, these guys like Necros who did the work on the Dean or Mark Farman who did the JLA classified. And I, I'd really like to, to talk to them a little bit about it. But at the same time, what if they didn't have a great experience? Well, that, because well, I we mean, know, although the, the, I mean, if you can ask them, although they would say, I, I don't want to talk about that or, you know, they're, or they're, maybe they're sick of time. You know, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to. Nelson about has it. been, yeah, Nelson has been incredibly complimentary uh, of working on Byrne's stuff. Now, and one of the things that he brought forth was the fact that when Byrne was doing the work on action, he wasn't doing as much with the background. So Nelson got to play with the backgrounds yeah. an awful lot. And so I have to go back and look at that run. Um, I read through it once, um, but I definitely want to want to take a, a deeper dive into it. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going sure. to put a challenge to both of us here. Uh, and if we don't, don't normally do this, but since you kind of want to read the rest of this run, and you said you mm-hmm. have not read it, right? You haven't read right. this run? Okay. And I, I haven't read into the next issue so far. Okay. And I haven't read it either. So I want to say if we're both going to read through this run sometime down the road, we'll just, and we don't have to do a whole show on it, but just uh, after we're both done with it, I kind of want to just bring it up in a show. And let's just talk about what we thought. Impressions. Uh, uh, impressions yeah. of the show, because I've read that. This is kind of a mixed run. Some people, some fans really hate it. Some think it's just okay. Some love it. Uh, some think he did a lot of, I mean, Byrne has kind of got a reputation for when he comes onto a book, he will either. He, that first, he, that first issue is a bang. And yeah. Run. And he'll just, and he now, kind of throws everything else out and kind of goes his own way. He doesn't repay really attention to what came before him. And they say well, in this but, one, he see, didn't do it. Here's the thing. Like he, he did say. And we talked about it earlier. It took him longer with this, you know, right book to find Wonder Woman. He, he, he floundered around his first few issues, and he said, and I quote: "Mostly, I think it was performance anxiety. Following, even after such a long span, could be. You know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know, when he was on Fantastic Four, there was that that run where Marv Wolfman and other guys had been writing it." And, you know, he was 
following artists like Bill Sienkiewicz and, and uh, I'm trying to remember who else was doing it around those times, but Basima, I think may have been Sal Basima might've done some of the issues, but you know, he wasn't following, you know, the, 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 what at that, what was considered at that time, the high caliber artists. Mm -hmm. And so he was picking things up now with his work on Wonder Woman, even though pairs had been off for a long time, that right there was still fresh on everybody's minds. And it was the gold standard of what Wonder Woman should be. So, you know, and, and he has always had a, a healthy respect for George. So I can understand that, you know, he's not going to, he's going to want to give it the same reverence that George gave his Superman when he took over on, right. on Superman. Right. Well, I heard uh, that this, this run is supposed to get better as it goes along. Towards mm-hmm. the end, it, get, it picks up better. Uh, from I kind of, I kind of know some of the storylines that are going along uh, when it, when it gets towards, you know, towards the end of his, um, some changes he made to it. But he was still at this time pretty, he was still running pretty high. He wasn't, you know, they say, you know, he hadn't come to the point where he had kind of, you know, alienated fans and, you know, he hadn't kind of fallen I out with fans that, in the business and, and the, the company. I, I think by this time, though, DC was starting to recognize that he had a and, – and he'd even recognize himself because he brought in – he brought that up in his uh, um, opening of the – Danger book, which mm-hmm. was around that time. And he had said that he knew that any book was guaranteed X number of sales because he had that many people that would, that, that were mm-hmm. going to buy the book no matter what. And then there's, you know, those that are follow the character that he's all of a sudden jumped onto or whatever. So they could actually do some math to kind of figure out how many issues he was going to sell. And uh, they were usually, you know, pretty close. Yeah. At, at this point, uh, there was a, a a rising sentiment in some areas, and it's what he refers to as the big bad burn story. It's these guys that at the comic book shops, that every single one of them had a story about John Byrne being a jerk. Yeah. About John Byrne being an a hole. When it wasn't possible for all these guys to have done it because there's not that many that really have had necessarily the opportunity to meet him in such a way. But the other side of that is, of course, that he's got a very acerbic tongue. Mm-hmm. Now, some people think that is, you know, a part of his character, but other people think it just makes him a jerk. He's well, he's he kind of speaks his mind, and he doesn't he doesn't seem like he he suffers fools. So maybe that that's a I mean that's. I mean, that's kind of what you get. So that's either... Chris Farr would have a hard time being around John Byrne. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about there? Hmm. Chris, Chris Farley interviews on oh. Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Where he was the big fanboy and like Paul McCartney's there. Do you remember when you wrote Let It Be? That was great. <laughs> so is that... Okay, I'm, I'm going to show my ignorance here because I've heard this expression... Is when people refer to, well, this has become the Chris Farley show. Is that what they're referring to? If they're just kind of, if they're just kind of going on yes. and gushing about something, they say, "Oh, this is going to become the Chris Farley show." They're referring, yes. refer- okay. See, I've never watched those because, yeah, because he would get, he would get, you know, great people on there, and it's like Arnold on there, and he's like, "You remember when you were the Terminator, and and in, and in Terminator Two, you went through that wall?" <laughs> yes. 
that was so cold. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's so big, you know. But you know, yeah, there, there was no substance to the interview. And and the the one good one he had was was like um, he was talking to Paul McCartney, and um, he was asking about a song. I think it was Let It Be. And he goes, uh, or uh, no, All You Need Is Love. He's asking about All You Need Is Love. And he goes, Is that true? And Paul goes, well, yeah, I think that's you know for, for everybody that's true. Everybody needs love in their life, and your life is always going to be better if you have love. That was a really good question, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. You know, <laughs> just make them you know gush even more so. Uh, but yeah, that was that funny skit on Saturday Night Live, and you can find it, I'm sure, on YouTube or Hulu somewhere. But uh, yeah, yeah, but that's you know, the thing is, is that whenever you meet someone that you've idolized in some way, they you know, they start to get that wall that they put up because there are the guys that are going to Chris Farley him to death. Yeah. And they're asking the same questions. Then there are the people that, that have to ask the jerk questions. Why'd you leave the X-Men? Why'd you have to leave the X-Men? You ruined it, you know? And, you know, all that's going to sit there and grate on someone. You know, when you're someone like him, it's going to get old really, really quick. Yeah, and yeah. He doesn't do conventions anymore. It's dealing with that is one thing. Dealing with the the guys coming up with the huge stack of books that they want him to autograph, and uh, of course, it also affects his productivity. So he, you know, basically got to the point where he said, "Yeah, I'm not. It's just not worth it. I'm not going to do it anymore." Yeah, yeah I understand that. Well, you got any final uh, final thoughts on this first issue? Oh, you know. Uh, as I was reading the form, someone had basically said to him, how does her costume stay on? <laughs> you know, it was basically the, the, the Comic Code Authority thread without actually saying it was the Comic Code Authority. But mm. Bird said, you know, he goes, uh, you know, a couple years ago, a girlfriend of mine somewhat newly minted, so she didn't know my taste, dressed up as Wonder Woman to surprise me. <laughs> She looks spectacular in the costume, I must say. But she did indeed have just the problem of being able to keep her breasts within the bustier, mm-hmm. you know, from not to keep it from popping out. She had that problem. Of course, from his perspective, problem is probably not the right word to use. <laughs> True. But, you know, this is falls into the same compartment as the female fans who complain all the time about the stunts ladies get into in high heels and yeah, they don't break. It's, it's comic books. Don't it's break. comic yes. books. How do it's you know? comic books. Just let it go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's why Wonder Woman doesn't fall out of her her top. Um, and uh, that was that was the last really really good quote. No, no, that's right. I, I did find some other stuff. Um, one of the issues here, uh, the first few issues of Wonder Woman he did was actually uh, supposed to originally be purposed for a McDonald's Wonder Woman comic book. Wow, that's cool. And they apparently looked at it and deemed it inappropriate for their purposes. And uh, he ended up cutting it. They went ahead and put it in issue, his fourth issue, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so they, they ended up cutting a page, and someone actually bought the page uh, in an online auction. And that's what where, where I found that discussion about that. Oh, nice. But apparently they'd done a Coca-Cola book for the Fantastic Four back in the days when he when he was on there, but they deemed it too violent. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Beyond that, we already talked about about Paul Kupperberg leaving 
and uh, what that did to his appearance on the book. But if he had stayed on the book, um, and as, as you know, the, the book not only becomes the story of Diana's Wonder Woman, but also uh, Hippolyta. Yeah. And, and they were actually planning on visiting Hippolyta's JSA years uh, several times if he had stayed on the book. Yeah, I'd heard that was And I know that I know that, you know, Mike Bailey and, and, and Scott Gardner would have been salivating at that at that you know, possible prospect. Yeah, I'd heard that uh, there was some he had made some changes and was kind of retconning stuff and that set well with some fans and didn't others because it is you know, basically He still had to go back and try and fix Donna Troy. Yeah. Because, you know, with Crisis, Donna Troy's origin, you know, and, and, and George Perez's rebirth of Wonder Woman, retelling of her origin, her coming in only at the time of Legends, it completely destroys Donna Troy's origin. Yeah. And um, I think that they still could have made her Wonder Girl. I still think that they could have, well, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be tough because she actually had to have been around before Wonder Woman. So she really couldn't have been Wonder Girl. And that's that's just one of those tough ones. It's like the whole Superboy thing, Superboy, Superman, and the, thing, and, exactly. and the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. And you know, the Crisis. If everybody had bought early, they might have been able to to find a better way of, of representing that in the pocket universe. But um, you know, be that as, as it may, we're still you know thirty years out, and people are still trying to to figure it all out. And uh, I have not read anything regarding any of those in the in the rebirth. I haven't actually read a complete rebirth issue. The Wonder Woman's one's yeah. first one I've actually tried to opening the cover on, and I I found the artwork uh, interesting, but it looked it reminds me of the um, Don Bluth art from Space Ace. <laughs> really, uh, a little bit the way his art, or wow. uh, something else from that era, Secret of Nim or. Or something else in that the, the artwork it, it it book art like I expect to see is comic book art and I know comic book art has changed a lot in the yeah. the twenty plus years that I read it and so you know uh, looking at that and, and reading it you know of course they throw other things in there that you just don't um, think about they they definitely intimate in the first issue that you know Diana and others there on Themyscira took many female lovers yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously when, you know, you're women and you're all together on this island for 3,000 years, okay, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. No men. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it hadn't been written. It hadn't been discussed, at least as far as I know. Now, of course, there's 226 issues of, you know, one post-crisis Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, that, that take place before New 52 and Rebirth and all that, where, where I don't know, that could have been covered. I don't know. First, I read it, though. I don't know. I and, thought I'd, uh, I'd heard that Perez kind of hinted at it in his run, but it was not, I think, ever specific or actually mm -hmm. you know, specifically spelled out. But, uh, you know, that's, that, that's just going to change as time changes. Yeah. Let's just hope we can keep taking steps forward. All right, yeah. Brian. Well, I'm kind of. Close this out because I know I uh, both have stuff. I have stuff to do. I know tonight. Uh, overall, I thought it was a it was a good start. I mean, it didn't it didn't grab me to make me immediately want to run to the next issue. But for all the 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 problems we found with it, uh, it was still uh, 
if anything, it was too short. I think it was too quick a read. But I'm interested to kind of get into the rest of these and see see how this goes. It's because I, you know, because I've never read these before. It's a new character for me, and it's a new run for him. I'm kind of curious just to see what, uh, what the rest of his uh, run holds for him. So I'm excited to get into it. Me too. Um, this is kind of you know invigorated me in such a way as far as you know doing a a, a binge read. Yeah. That um, I, I'm looking forward to. I just hope that I've got the time to do it um, with as much as, as I've got going on. Lot lots going on in my job. Lots going on at home. Um, more more remodeling and such. And then you know there's uh, other things that I've got in the works here. And uh, you guys will find out more about that later. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know this was you know this is fun again. I, I want to stress, I, I enjoyed the book. There are definitely things that I'm pointing out as far as the art goes, but you know it's like pizza. Bad pizza is better than good root canal any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. And and anybody to think and anybody who listens to think that we're you know we didn't start this podcast just to tear the man down we we started the podcast no. because we love the man's work so yes uh, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to find fault where there is fault and just gush over everything he does i mean not no, nobody's perfect so he's going to make mistakes he's going to do things that we don't think we like and we're going to point him out otherwise yeah. you know we'll, and, why and have a podcast that's that's the you know the, there's another side of that coin there there there's a point you know i mean the thing is would you want to be listening to podcast of sycophants no, just, of people that just sit there and gush and gush again. It'd be like the Chris Farley interviews. Yeah, I, 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 I want to hear different opinions. I want to know what what other people are thinking. I, I want other people to tell us what they're thinking. So you know, email us at gotta get burned at gmail com or or respond to us on Facebook. You know, uh, tell us what you're thinking and yeah, and yeah, you know because we, we've gotten that that one response that that you know was. You know, Basically, a give me a break is what they said, because we were taking, you know, taking our. They thought he thought we were just taking our shots at him. No, I see. And uh, I don't know how far he listened into the story. I don't know. I don't know or, or listened into the discussion if he listened to the whole thing or not. Um, but I, I know that he didn't. Uh, he was not uh, a handling of Mister Byrne. Well, I hope he. Um, I hope he'll listen, that was listen again. This this is another interesting thing is that while I was on the forum uh, yesterday, uh, looking at a thread in there, asking what podcasts are you listening to, and I was like, oh man, did anybody <laughs> mention us at all? Now the thing is, I told Burn myself that I host a podcast about his work, and he didn't respond to that at all. He answered my question. But he didn't, you know, he didn't respond to the whole podcast thing, and I, I I'm pretty sure he's gonna uh, probably gonna ignore that. He's probably not gonna listen he may not to a podcast yeah. about his about his own work. That being said, looking at that thread, I was uh, I was curious if anything they did mention Two True Freaks Network itself. You know, someone 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 did mention that, um, and they they mentioned Andrew Leyland by name. Interesting, and talked about his fantastic cast. And, and, you know, of course, but they didn't, you know, there was a lot of, of different podcasts on a wide variety of subjects, crime and sci-fi, see, and uh, TV and movies and whatever. And comic books was just one of all the yeah. subjects they're talking about. So, 
you know, there wasn't a lot of discussion that. And then as it got later into the form, some of them would finally get enough guts up to sit there and say, well, I, I listened to Kevin Smith and I, and then of course, you know, someone would dump on it, but you know, there was a good discussion out there and a lot of people brought up a lot of different podcasts, but nobody mentioned uh, that no. specific. Though Future Freaks is represented there, so That's good, I was yeah. happy to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for that too. And anyway, uh, anything else? No, I think that's it. I think we've done a pretty good job of covering this, and uh, we can sign off Just and remind, start work. And you know, like you said, remind people to uh, send us uh, emails or send us questions on Facebook, or we have a Twitter account. Um, and you if you this. go out to, if you need to go out to Amazon, go to the Two True Freaks website, twotruefreaks.com. Use the Amazon link there. It keeps the lights on. It helps pay the bills to keep our access going. And I think it actually helped Chris Honeywell um, defeat a virus this week. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's all <laughs> it's all it's all good there. I'll go uh, to a good cause. Yeah, it, it doesn't cost you a thing and it helps us out. Absolutely. All right. Well, all right. for. Go ahead. You want to take us out? I'll, uh, yeah. OK. From third degree burn. Uh, I am Tim Elliott. And I am not. I hope not. No, no, I'm Brian Hughes. Or Brian Hugues. <laughs> okay, it's spelled Brian Hugues, but it's pronounced Throat Warbler Mangrove. mangrove. Uh, I, knew you were go- I knew you were going there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thanks a lot. Take care. <laughs> Good night. Seems to feed on energy. This thing is from another world. My world. I've killed things from other worlds before. She with you? I thought she was with you. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. 
Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Two Two Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Until next time, this has been Third Degree Burn.